Cryptoholics. Welcome to Synthaholics. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Today you have myself, Aaron O'Brien, and David Duncan. What's up, Dave? Hey, how's it going? Good. Dave, we are back in Discovery territory once again, and we are talking about Star Trek Discovery episode called Scavengers. This is uh, Season 3, Episode 6, and first aired November 19th, 2020. Uh, Non-spoilers, Dave. Uh, anything you want to say about this? So it's funny, you know the Star Trek movies. Everyone's like, "Oh, the even even numbered ones are the good ones. All the odd numbered ones are the bad ones." Yeah. So far, that has rung true for this season of Star Trek Discovery. I've so enjoyed like two, the even. You like four, and you liked. Yeah, I, I liked two because Michael Burnham wasn't in it except for the very end. I liked four because it was mostly. Um, I mean, Michael Burnham was in it, but we had the Trill stuff, and that was interesting. None of it made yeah. me mad, so I, I enjoyed episode four a lot. Right. And then this episode, I was totally not looking forward to it last week, but this episode was at least, at least it was a lot of dumb fun. And mm-hmm. like, oh my god, the production values on this show are still never ceasing to amaze me. Like, it's it's literally a movie. I mean, I wish Picard got half the budget that this show I got. know! Oh, it's so this, crazy. This one episode's got better special effects than anything in Picard, like by a long shot. And it's just, it's just so, it's just. This episode, the only thing that Picard had was cool was the um, the Borg cube scenes. That was like the coolest scenes. Everything else was sort of like. Yeah, I mean the Borg the Borg cube scenes were pretty cool, but I mean this this episode had a couple like really stand. I mean it was all like bunched together, but they had a couple really standout VFX shots, and I was just like floored. That of the production value on on this show and Picard, we're gonna give you a copy paste Romulan fleet and a copy and paste Federation fleet. And this mm-hmm. we got all sorts of different like broken ships in the air and all sorts of crazy stuff. And it was it was it was visually impressive. It was a lot of dumb fun. So I definitely enjoyed this episode uh, a lot more uh, than the previous episode and the even and all the odd numbered episodes. So far, this is. Definitely an even-numbered episode being better than the odd ones, in my opinion. Uh, how about you? What'd you think? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it incredibly. I didn't... I was... I th- I don't know if we talked off uh, before we started recording, but I, I kind of had low expectations of this episode as well. And uh, I pleasantly enjoyed it. And um, I have some issues with certain things about it but it has nothing to do more it's more to do with how they wrote the characters and stuff like that and oh yeah what they did but yeah yeah that's that but everything else was you know entertaining yeah it it was it was an entertaining hour of television which is a step ahead of where we've been all right well let's get into full spoilers dave um so we start off here with uh back at federation headquarters and Captain Saru's there with uh, Admiral Vance, and they are going over basically all the th- all the tasks the fleet has to go through. They're having just basically but, a, a, big, a big meeting. But but before the meeting, the ship has been updated. It's got new armor. Uh, right. It is yeah. it is now the the ten thirty one A USS huh. Discovery. It's got the detachable nacelles, which I don't know why you want detachable nacelles. I know they say it makes it more maneuverable, but I'm like, why? <laughs> I don't understand that either. I, it makes a warp bubble around your. It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I guess it could like augment like Voyagers, you know, because Voyager had like the tilty nacelles, but no, no other ship had the tilty nacelles. I don't get what uh, detachable nacelles do for a ship. I, I just don't understand it. He says and, it makes it more maneuverable. I don't. Oh, know I why. know. I, I I remember, but to me, it just still doesn't make any logical sense. If you're warping space around your ship. Why was why do you need your ship to be more maneuverable? I I, I don't know. I don't maybe I don't extend the bubble around you. I I don't know. I wish we got a better look at Discovery. I don't. I couldn't tell if the nacelles were still as stupidly long as they had been, or if they like 
they looked them up and made them more squat. And um, it's just one of those things that, you know, the programmable matter and stuff like that. It just it's cool, but I don't know if I'd want to, like, stake my life on it. Yeah, I know. And, like, it's just, it's just such a funny thing that, like, technically programmable matter is something we'll probably run into in maybe not in our lifetime. But I think programmable matter is more likely for us to get invented before we get tangible holograms. Oh, just, yeah. Sure. Just, just saying, with nanotechnology, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, we're Absolutely. already working on nanotech, and we have we have some nanotech. I mean, so I mean, like, it's only a matter of time before we have actual programmable matter, mm-hmm. but tangible holograms with like force fields and stuff like that—that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we got the upgrade of discovery, but uh, like I said, having the big meeting between all these different uh, sh- ships that the admiral is kind of giving orders to. And at some point, Saru's like, you know, I could do some of these for you. I can just jump to it and take care of it. And he was like, no, I need you here on the ready because we have this planet uh, that's on yellow alert for a potential threat to the Emerald Chain, which is the um, uh, the Orion Endorian um, um, Syndicate. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's something could be happening in 12 hours. We just need you to be ready to get there really, you know, really quickly if you have to. So they upgraded the discovery. Why haven't they been duplicating the spore drive technology? I don't know. And secondly, I mean, why would, well, I guess they have to like get the mycelium network inside their ships and then they have to actually splice somebody's genes with the tardigrade genes. Well, just like, you know, splice it with Stamets' genes, I guess. Yeah. Um, Everyone, you're going to be a little bit, you know, albino. Yeah, I know. So on Discovery, then we get uh, that they're, uh, they've been upgraded to their uh, comm badges, which is pretty cool. Works as not just, uh, I mean, their little badges don't act just as comm badges, but as tricorders, hollow pads, um, and you can, you know, transport with them as well so i'm so glad the pad is built into the uh the the combat and it's a hologram and we're not going to see them with like stacks and stacks of pads on their desk anymore i'm like don't yeah you know no, this about- is a really cool idea I, I this is actually you know the programmable matter and the the, the um the combat or not, not even combat. I don't even know what you want to call them anymore. They're the everything utility badge. badge. Utility badge. This is probably some cool, very forward thinking. It's so, probably got some bat anti shark spray built into it too, just in case. Nice. That'd be nice. So, uh, and the running joke through this whole thing that Linus keeps beaming, beaming all over the pl- uh, all over the ship. And, and it, it, it does follow the rule of threes. It happens three times this episode. Right. So uh, then, out of nowhere, they get a call, and they get um, a book ship coming in, and they find just the the giant cat grudge there on the ship and not book. And there's a message there left, and he says that uh, that he's found one of these little black boxes that Michael's been looking for, apparently, which, uh, did she mention this before? No. I don't remember it either. So She's not. Glad. This is the first time Black Box has been mentioned this season, as far as I'm aware. So the th- idea of the Black Box is that if she could figure out... She, her theory is that the burn didn't happen all at once. It happened... It radiated like, out from a specific point in space. Right. So uh, if she can figure out um, where the ships were, in the, these Black Boxes, then she can kind of like figure out where maybe this thing... Uh, or originated from. So uh, does this if it's origi- if it's originating from a single point in space, this, could that mean it's a uh, a um, omega particle issue again? I mean, like it's it's it could be pulling from that again. Like before, I was starting to dismiss it. Now it's like, well, maybe maybe it's a thing. I mean, it, it'll probably be something else. But I mean, but that it has an well, origin. All right. It's interesting. And so we find out that uh, this black box is with a uh, book on this planet that's controlled by the Emerald Chain. And uh, Book said he went to look for it. But then if uh, if within four, uh, 24 hours, if, if, the, um, if Grudge came to um, Discovery with the book ship, then we know something happened to him. So uh, 
Michael Burnham wants to go and help her friend book. And so she says to Saru, is this what I need to do? I need to go help book and I need to get this black box. And Saru goes, no, we're on ready to, you know, help out this, uh, this planet in case anything happens with the emerald chain and that's basically you we can't go you can't go running off and doing something else so michael then all decides that she's just going to go and do it anyways and she recruits uh, uh commander giorgio as um as the person to help her with this unsanctioned unsanctioned mission well who else would she go to <laughs> right who um, else who else is going to readily just break the rules so yeah again Michael, just not, I mean, they ended the last episode saying, I'll try to be better officer and Saru saying, I'm going to try to trust you. And then it just all fell apart again. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I'm over her character and I've got a lot more to say about it once we get to the end. Cause I, I think I know what they're trying to do and I'm going to explain why it's not working. Yeah. I see. Well, um, uh, Burnham and Giorgio then take book ship, somehow escape from <laughs> uh, every, they just take off without anybody noticing. And just like in every other thing, take a shuttlecraft. No one'll notice until it's too no. late. Exactly. And um, Discovery's even worse. They don't even have doors. So I mean like on their shuttle bay, they just can fly out. So it's a lot simpler to escape from a shuttle on Discovery, I guess. And Giorgio is asking about um, Burnham's relationship um, with Book and if it's uh you know similar to Ash Tyler. And so she does Oh yeah, she name dropped your favorite character in all of Star Trek, Aaron. How'd you yeah. feel about that? <laughs> yeah. My my ears hurt. Um so I started uh, bleeding. So at some point Giorgio uh is having these uh some weird bloody visions of something happening in the when she was in the Terran universe. And we're not really sure what it is. I assume, um, based on dialogue happening later, it's Michael's betrayal and she killed someone else that was close to Giorgio? Well, she keeps zoning out and she keeps kind of like, you know, like not being there present in the room. And then um, when Michael's like, what's going on? And she's like, nothing's going on. So she won't even admit that anything's happening. Yeah. Um, so uh, they, they uh, get to the planet they're supposed to go to. And this is um, like a uh, like a shipyard, but it's like all these old ships. It's a junkyard. And, it's a whole planet that's a junkyard for ships. And we've seen this before. Not a planet. We saw that in Next Gen. I forgot what episode it was, but it's Riker, like they had a high enterprise in this junkyard. If you remember, way back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah, in the space junkyard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this is they did a really good job of this. This really looked great visually fantastic God, like the the funny thing is the guys they're looking for self-stealing stem bolts which is like a yeah, thing O'Brien, which is thing yeah. something o'brien really wanted in that deep space nine episode i think for the the cloaking mines they're trying to guard the and and now jake had all those giant had that huge shipment of self-stealing stem bolts yeah so there's a couple like very strong and then and then the very next thing he says after self-stealing stem bolts is his plasma coils mm -hmm. and and that just makes me think of the red letter media's like collage of how many times they say plasma coils in star trek generations when they're trying to figure out a harebrained scheme to disable a klingon bird of prey when they could have just shot it easily out of the sky with a ship that's a hundred years newer well, when they show up, they get, a, they get a hail from a Orion, and um, Georgia just kind of just like dresses them down immediately, and says, "Hey, we have dilithium for uh, for sale." So um, they allow they drop their shield so their ship can get in, um, and then back on Discovery, uh, Tilly finds Grudge in her quarters and then realizes that Burnham's not on the ship. So she's like, "Okay, so she what's has Grudge if she ate Michael." Yeah, I know. Grudge is almost big enough to fit Michael inside her. And apparently Tilly's not a cat person, so... Nope. Unusual. I wouldn't have thought that with Tilly. Yeah, um, right. So, uh, then back on the junkyard planet, Burnham and Giorgio are there with the ships, and this is where they, uh, they do find Book down there. Um, and they... Um, well, if we get a little glimpse where we see this Andorian... Um, looks like he's kind of serving the um, 
emerald chain and they put like control mechanisms on the back of the worker's neck. So Explody, all these people, instead of exploding collars, it's an explodey like dot on the if, back of their head. Yeah, if you go past this like um perimeter field, your your head just like, basically blows off. And, <laughs> and, and then we can just do it to a Bajoran of all people. It's like the yeah, Bajoran are like happen. Yeah, to a Bajoran. Yeah. They're like they're like the shit race of the Star Trek universe. Like everyone always steps in the Bajoran. I know. So, so we see this happen, and we see um, uh, book there. I wish it was a Cardassian instead of an Orion, just for the irony. Uh, yeah, right. Totally. Um, and yeah, so you know, obviously, this is like they're all slaves. They're, somehow, they've gotten themselves in trouble, or they owe money to the to the uh, this person. And um, book's got to change his name to Kunakente. Oh no! <laughs> okay. So, anyways, uh, um, then we jump back on Discovery, and we find that uh, Adira had was in engineering, and she um, uh, gave Mick Stamets a uh, two new, jello pods. Two gel pods. Instead of getting the little stunts stuck in his arm. Our shunts got stuck in his arm. He uh, has his nano gel that he can post, put his hands in and that he can connect with the uh, spore drive. But his fancy bed is gone. What if that was comfortable? <laughs> I like that bed. That was a good bed. Um, and then it's still uh, Adira's having conversations with Gray, her boyfriend, and like, why do you just hang out here and you know work all the time? Why don't Gray's we do like, all you can go play basketball. You can go fencing. All the fun things they did in Next Gen. He's like, I don't like to do any of those things. <laughs> so um, then we jump back to the junkyard planet, and this is where um, we find out that the Emerald Chain, um, like, uh, had taken like this, um, uh, and the Andorian with his um, antennas cut off. He's the one who's uh, he tried to um, mount an insurrection, working. and instead of murdering, He's, yeah, he would. Yeah, he, they broke him completely. Yeah, instead of murdering him, they Which just I, messed him up, and then now they're making him comply so they don't kill him. So basically, he will die unless he puts these like explodey things in people's necks. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, Michael kind of is acting at, while down on the planet. Junk Air Planet is acting as Giorgio's sort of like servant. And they're looking for parts, and so uh, she kind of uh, finds book, and then they're kind of like working together to look for or pretending to look for parts. So, and this is where book kind of says, I get off in 45 minutes from being a slave. And yeah, I get uh, union break. I got union slave break. I get my coffee break. And, uh, this is when he can go get the, um, uh, the black box for her then. So, um, back on discovery, Tilly, uh, basically has to go to Saru and says, well, Michael is not on the ship anymore. And, uh, Strew's like, I kind of thought that I could trust her, but I don't think I can. And Tilly is even tired of Michael's shit, which I actually kind of love. I'm glad everyone's getting tired of her shit because I've been tired of it for three seasons. Yeah, so Tilly then um, uh, says that you should tell Admiral Vance because – yeah, when you find out that you know Admiral Vance learns that he, you know, from it and not from Saru that uh, Burnham split, that he's going to take it out on the entire him. crew yeah. and follow up on his you know split them up you know thing, right? And the ship has been re- revamped so that anyone from the you know year three thousand or whatever can use the ship now because it's got all the programmable matter consoles and everything, so people can use it more easily from their time. So. Mm-hmm. Only person who'd have to stay with the ship would be Stamets, right? Until they just, you know, they find a way out. to work around that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Back on the junk air planet, uh, Michael and uh, and Giorgio are going through uh, the junk stuff, and they start building this weapon, and they destroy this uh, drone uh, that's following them. So, and then all of a sudden, the alarms go off. So they're in trouble. And but this is where they get the uh, black box device from uh, books quarters. So at least they have that. Um, and then uh, Sue uh, reports uh, reports that what basically happened with um, with Michael 
and uh, but basically um, they need Discovery to be ready to jump shortly because they might need them. So, and uh, on the junkyard planet again, uh, they just start mounting the escape. Um, here's some back and forth between the Orions, almost getting the upper hand, and then uh, things work out that the um, Giorgio has another like th- you know uh, yeah. PTSD moment, I guess. Like this show, whatever you want to call it, gotta, yeah. everyone's got to have a PTSD moment or sixteen. And she just kind of like shuts down completely while Michael's like, you Getting know, you got you got to turn off this perimeter fence so these slaves can run out of here without their heads exploding. And Giorgio's like, no, I think I'll pass out now and watch them all die. I think I'll so, just take a nap and relive this bad memory. Yeah. So yeah, I know. <laughs> so um, so but she gets through and they. They press it so they can start getting through. And this is where... Um, Poor Dorian guy gets shot. Yeah, and Dorian guy gets shot, but he does make it, doesn't he? And he does. Then, he survives. Um, also, we get a quick thing in the mess hall with the deer and Stamets. And basically, you know, she's like, i having a conversation with my old boyfriend, Gray. And um, Stamets identifies with her. And then he tells Culver about it. Bad. Yeah, so they have like a little, nice little time together, and um, from there uh, they they escaped the junkyard planet when they retrieve a bunch of or they help a lot of those uh, slaves escape. Why didn't they put them on bookship? I don't know. They took I, another I think ship. Bookship was really small. I mean, because it looks this, pretty big. I mean, but did you see? Did, did you see many pieces it broke apart into? It like kind of weird, but it was, it was cool to see them shooting all those guards with their phasers or whatever they were shooting them with. Like Trek Yards is completely right. It's basically a really bad looking Millennium Falcon because they threw mm-hmm. it sideways through those really tight buildings. They were shooting things, and it looked really cool. And the ship like did this thing where it split up into like sixteen thousand different pieces and reconfigured itself to like turn just to turn around. And I'm right. like, Ugh, that just seems so unnecessary. Like there's you have so many points of failure. Like yeah, that like that just seems like the least safe space travel ever. I'm not saying you I know. agree. I don't want my ship breaking into pieces. I mean, sorry. I mean the 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 tri stage attack ship in, in Voyager that was a cool ship. It's put into three pieces, but the two of the pieces had nacelles. So I mean, like they were basically like three functioning ships glued together, which is fun. oh yeah yeah yeah. I remember like, that. The tri vector yeah. uh, attack ship that was cool, but this is just like the one ship breaking apart in little pieces just so it could turn around. It's very weird. Like it I don't, is, it, it, yeah. I, I don't like it. Yeah, it's it. It's not a very good looking ship, and and especially with all the designs they could be doing, I don't know. It's it's weird because for for everything cool that they they do, some of the ships are just kind of ugly. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not even crazy about Discovery. I know it's kind of like a rework of the like whatever the 1970s like Star Trek Phase Two, yeah, uh, ship, but. It's just it never really did anything for me. Um, anyway, so yeah, so they escape from the junkyard world. They save the slaves, and then Michael has to face the music with uh, what she did. Uh, but we do get a quick revelation that um, her and Book uh, start making out. So, and this uh, is the third time that uh, Linus jumps in, jumps in, and kind of like step, yeah, but. Finally, geez, man, took took long enough for you know between Michael and Book to finally have this relationship. It's they've been together for a year, yeah. um, and um, and then uh, we have. I think uh, they were both lying though, because Michael did say she didn't love here, and and she goes, "I, I meant to live or whatever." I know, and, but I think so, she was trying to. She's sitting on her emotions. She wasn't trying to. I, I I think she hadn't she hadn't started anything with them yet, but. For some reason, she didn't want to jump into that relation. Maybe it was because of what happened with Ash Tyler <laughs> being such a fucking asshole. Maybe. Um, so uh, they're at uh, go back to Starfleet headquarters. Admiral Vance basically um, is pretty pissed off at Burnham for her um, going on this covert mission, uh, the unsanctioned mission, mission, should I say. And um, he says, but thankfully, you know, you save lives and you kind of impeded the... Uh, emerald chain so there are enemies so good job there and um this is where saru says after that meeting's over that you're not my first officer anymore and you'll just be chief science officer oh, that's, that's like the it. lamest slap on the wrist ever 
Yeah. Well, who will be who, uh, like I mean, who will be number one? The the girl who used to be Ariam. Isn't she like an ensign? I don't know. I um, mean, like if they if they like demoted her like back to ensign and put her in the lower decks, that's a, a, a fitting punishment. But if she's lead science officer, she'll still be on the bridge. She'll still act like a first officer. It won't matter. Well, so she says she's doing the right thing, and when he leaves. She- Michael takes off her comm badge and holds it in her hand. So, I don't know. So, um, Dave, uh, this is the uh, episode Scavengers. What did you think about this episode? Like, I I, I was scared that the prison break thing would, would be dumb. It was actually kind of a lot of fun. You know, I like Singer Ryan's. It was all the little callbacky things was kind of great. Sure, like, yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. the TNG phaser and the self-sealing stem bolts and the plasma coils. Like, just the... Just weird things that just triggered like different like things in my head that oh I remember that and like um, and it's just different kind of funny emotions that go along with those specific tech items just from Deep Space Nine or TNG right. or whatever. Right. Uh, it's some great little callbacks. Um, I guess we know now with Giorgio's she's like reliving some like awful memory. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I I, I I mean, it seemed like her talk with Section 31 triggered it, but we don't know how... She said weeks it's been happening. We don't know how long it's been since the episode where we first saw it happen. And then, I, I mean, it could it could have been the, the, the first time. I don't know. Uh, I kind of hope they explain that. I, I hope it's not something bad. I really like Giorgio. And this kind of like... I, don't, I didn't like how they're like making her weak with some kind of weird memory or whatever. Uh, although it does seem like they're using this to like even make Giorgio question uh, the goodness of Michael Burnham, because Tilly questioned it, Saru's questioning it, the Admiral's questioning it, I've been questioning it. Um, I'm I'm really glad to see other people are kind of getting on board with the questioning Michael Burnham. When you say goodness, what exactly do you mean? Just that you know the, uh, her trueness of sincerity. Because what uh, specifically what Emperor Giorgio says to her, she's saying, you know, I knew Michael Burnham who looked just as sincere as you did, and she betrayed me. And the thing is, I mean, like Michael Burnham's always like doing the sincere stuff. Oh, oh, Saru, I'll do better, and then she betrays him. Like this is the next episode, you know. Like they didn't even give like an episode where she was trying to be better. Just the very next episode, she just immediately goes back on her word. She's just an untrustworthy person. In, in the show, even though she always does like what's what's right in the long term, her her short term goals to get there have she tried to take shortcuts. She's taking shortcuts, and and it, it's and it's murky. And and for me, like I, I don't think she's well written. And I think the reason is I think they're trying to make her like Kirk by being like the guy who's bold and brash and takes risks. Yeah, but where it fails utterly is that she is not the captain. She does not include anyone except for Giorgio in her misadventures or, or book in the other time where she, you know, went under their noses. Like, she only trusts the other renegades uh, with the renegade stuff. She doesn't trust her crew. She doesn't trust her friends to come to her aid. She doesn't do anything like Kirk would have done. Even in, like, the most harebrained things, Kirk almost always had at least, you know... Spock. Spock and Bones in on it with him. You'd have, no one else was in on it. Like he had like, and he was also the captain. He had the prerogative to do that. She is a commander. She's not the captain. She voluntarily gave up the captain spot. Like if she did not give up the captain spot and she started doing the things she was doing, I would, I may not be as harsh on her, but I just, she's not in the position to be making these kind of things. And I think that's, what's irking me. They're trying to make her like Kirk without, what what made Kirk Kirk? You know what I mean, and I feel like it's not earned, and that's why I feel like it, it's it bothers me with every time she's on screen. It just it's just getting on my nerves a little bit. And she had all this Vulcan upbringing, like she's supposed to be like you know cool and calm, and she's not. She grew up with the the Vulcans, and she never heard of a Vulcan hello till she called her father. <laughs> you know, right when they were in front of the Klingons. It just all these weird, like convenient plot things that just happen around her, like after the fact, just don't make a lot of sense, and they're badly constructed. Like 
the Federation, you know, at first, or at least the Earth at first, they had the Vulcans bossing them around in Enterprise, and the Vulcans didn't really share information voluntarily. But they became part of the Federation. Like, the Vulcan hello should have been like, oh, yeah, we ran into some Klingons, and we shot on them first, and then they stopped bothering us. Like, this should have been brought up at, you know, a council meeting, like, once in the past hundred years. You know what I mean? Like, it's just all these weird little things are just, like, weird caveats to make Michael Burnham this, like, roguish character. And it's and it's it's just really like it's written to be convenient, but it just doesn't make any sense. And that's why it, I'm constantly hammering on the writing being like weak, especially around Michael. Does that kind of make sense to you? Like, is it? You see I see I'm, where you're coming from. I'm not. I don't fully agree with you, but I I, just, I totally I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Um, What's your take on it? Well, on the Michael. I totally agree with the, the Kirk thing. Um, but Kirk did a lot of... I mean, let's just take off the J.J. Abrams reboot, okay? We know he rigged the Kobayashi Maru test, so making him look like he's... We know that he did do that for a fact. Uh, we don't know much about Kirk uh, other than a few other things about what like what happened to him on... Um, uh, what was the... Uh, the colony he was on i can't remember it's conscious of the king i, I just don't remember the kid the, the colony at the moment but we know he had some adversity there when he was younger um but a lot of the stuff we don't we know he served on the farragut we know that was there was some other things that he ran into on the farragut that um uh I, was it Wolf in the Fold was where he ran into uh, some past thing from the Farragut when he was like a lieutenant. But the one where Scotty was Jack the Ripper? No, maybe it wasn't Wolf in the Fold. It was something similar to that. I can't remember, but it was very it was one of those episodes. But so well Kirk but Kirk did get away with a lot of stuff. Like Kirk stole the Enterprise and blew it up later. I mean but That's a pretty big is, offense. I, I mean, I'm not saying Kirk didn't do responsible things. I'm, I'm saying he, like he, he, as far in visual canon, like we don't have any visual canon of Farragut days or, or uh, beyond yeah. beyond mentions. Right. We don't. We just don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Right, but right, right. from the movies and the TV shows, he did almost nothing by himself. He always included his crew and got their input and, like, you know, they're right. okay. I mean, when he stole the Enterprise, he had basically his whole bridge crew steal it with him. Yeah, um, so I mean, it's like he's he's not going rogue by himself. Like he's convinced other people that he is right and he's doing his own thing. Michael's basically doing them alone with people who aren't associated with the Federation. Right, and I agree with you there. Um, it, it's just that I. Th- so Michael, the issue with Michael is that she keeps on, I mean, she enlisted Giorgio to help her with that. So she wasn't totally alone on this issue, but, but she's I, I, done. But she's, Giorgio she's, is not part of the Federation. Yeah, she is. She's part of, yeah, she's she's commander rank. I mean, it was a masquerade thing. I mean, I don't think she's not really, really Federation. It was like a masquerade. because I agree. Were, I mean, I don't know why they even gave her that, but I, I, that was another weird thing with writing. But technically, she's still... I don't think they, they haven't acknowledged it since the they time said they commander were... before, so they called oh. her commander before. So, oh. anyways, um, I guess my issue with her is that she does try to take on everything on her own, and she tries to like she sees like people as impediments instead of working with the people. Um, like even Saru, I mean. She's known Saru since the very beginning of you know the the series. So I mean, like yeah. she's served with him on the Shinzo, and why can't she trust? I mean, they have all these heart wrenching moments together, and yet they can't seem to like come to agreement. Where like I trust you, uh, Michael, that you do the right thing. So or confide in each other. I like I really need to do this, you know. And I don't know. So I think here's the thing: is like. The after the first episode of uh, season three, and then she's off with book for that year. You can tell that she's lighter and she's happier, and then now she's back into it, and she's just not. She does not want to take orders, and like it could just be like maybe she's not really cut out for Starfleet, or or this is not her thing, you know. Um, but and, and that's okay too. You could just be like we could do a whole other thing of her doing her own thing. Um, I, I, and I think it's what they kind of allude to next episode that 
they're gonna you know she's gonna leave and do her own thing for a bit um I don't know how that'll work out, but yeah, it, it seemed I, weird in the preview. I wasn't sure. It looks like they're seeing some Vulcans. I'm just like, well, I don't know what's. But it looked like she was leaving, basically. Um, so yeah. I, I, I don't know. It just it's I. There's lots of things I actually like about the Michael Burnham character. There's lots of things I just think they keep writing her into this like, oh, uh, I keep fucking things up kind of thing. It's like, why are you writing her this way? I mean, this is the way they're choosing to write her. And it's really bizarre to me. Like, let's every time she makes an action, she gets in trouble for it. You know, where, where, you know, in the original series, like, Kirk would do something. Or even, like, go next gen, Picard would do something against, but then he'd find a way to rectify it and not be um, looked at as some pariah. Yeah. I just I don't understand the writing on this on these on these shows. I mean I I don't know why they're doing these things. I don't know why they're treating her character like so awful and always like beat down. You know? I, I I don't know either. And it's just it's just tiring to see the same thing. Like her character isn't changing at all, even though she was supposedly raised Vulcan. And like like if she was supposed to join the Vulcan science, ex, uh, you know, ex. Thing. Yeah. I mean, like, the Vulcan science ships, you know, like, instead of big joining Federation, she was going to be joining that, that science, you know, the Vulcan science ships. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that would have been even more strict than Federation, because Vulcans are so Vulcan. It's just, I just, it, it also, like, yeah, she's had a year of freedom, but she was raised Vulcan, super strict, and then she was, like, in the Federation, strict, but not as strict as being Vulcan. And then, like, all of that, all of her life, and she's, like, she said one year of freedom and then she's like lost everything that kind of made her, her. I, but yeah, but see, part of me thinks like we see her in the very beginning and she's kind of like stunted. She's taking on the whole Vulcan persona when we first meet her, when she first comes to the Shinzu and then she starts breaking out of that. She becomes more, I think she's reclaiming herself from uh, the Vulcan culture. She's like deciding who she wants to be because she can now be that person who, you know, a human basically. Um, But it's not even it for me. It's just like, and the other thing is that really pisses me off more than anything is that nobody is like, none of the characters are rising to become better. They're kind of just always like in this like quagmire of like problems and, you know, obviously you want to give the characters something to work against and, 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 and be challenged. But, like, Saru never – like, maybe Saru's made the most growth out of anybody. We're seeing him slowly grow to become more confident and not that afraid, thing, you know, Kelpian that we knew. Yeah. Um, but he still kind of, like, second guesses himself and is a little timid. Um, Tilly – is getting a little better, but not much better. I mean, at least Stamets is reaching out to Adira now. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me. I'm not, it's something about the crew just doesn't like pop to me. There's some well, great characters. Everyone's I love stunted characters. because Michael Burnham is like 80% of the screen time. I mean, you've got to divide up like 20 other characters, you know, and, I know it's, 20, it's frustrating. It's frustrating that she's always like, you know, like, no, I'll steal the show and take all, you know, be basically the action hog for everything. And, you know, yeah. Would Kirk do the same thing? Yes, I know he probably would. But, but since at, TOS, at, at least it was, you know, it was Kirk, Spock and McCoy always having harebrained schemes together or like working through stuff together. That was interesting. But it's just Michael. She saves it every single time. I mean, Spock. Spock, you know, was the unsung hero of TOS. I mean, oh man, if if Kirk didn't have Spock, he, I mean, he would have been Kirk, dead a, a hundred times over. Yeah, Kirk would have been screwed. Like Kirk wasn't like this big old hero. Like he would have died so many times without without Spock and McCoy. But Michael does everything by herself, pretty much. Yeah. And it's just, like, with no with very little support, and it's just like she comes up with everything, and she fixes everything, and she's like, it's it's tiring. Why even have the crew? Why isn't she ever own ship by herself? And that's that's what started to make me think this uh, this episode feels more like a section thirty one thing 
like where she's doing her own co-op missions. And like if this was a Section 31 show, this would be more what I'd be expecting. But this is supposed to be Star Trek Discovery. It's about supposed to be about the ship Discovery and its crew. And like we're following Michael around doing all this other stuff. And like we're barely on Discovery, it feels like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just like disappointing. And I miss the ensemble. And actually, in a lot of ways, this 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 episode itself kind of encapsulated all Discovery. Michael goes off, saves the day, while Discovery and its crew kind of like sits in in dock waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah although, it, it and, and, but you know, the caveat that I actually enjoyed this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I enjoyed this episode too. Like, it, it's it's really, bizarre, but it was a lot of like dumb fun. It was like a like a James Bondy action thing. You got the, it was. You it was the, really. It was just a fun romp, and sometimes that's all you need. And, you know, and they're still pushing forward to their goal of figuring out the burn. But um, I, yeah, I just I'm very per- perplexed on how they're writing Michael. It, it just a lot of things don't make a lot of sense to me. So and, and, and beyond the writing of Michael, the writing of the story as a whole doesn't make a lot of sense. Because okay, we've got the we we've just now in episode six introduced the black box uh, conundrum. We got to yeah. find the black box to find out what happened. A MacGuffin to go chasing after. Okay, but but what about like she she even said in the episode she's been to lots of ship graveyards. I'm like, why didn't you get any of those black boxes? The well, the, she she said they were kind of rare at that point. So I mean, but there were sh- like there were the why didn't the Federation like investigate the burn like as it happened? Like, wouldn't they have like tried to like scour through the remains to find anything? Like, it just. I, why no one tried to figure this out when it was contemporary makes no maybe sense. The, maybe they couldn't aggregate and they, all that's all the information together. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of questions there, but yeah. And you know, also this is nitpicky, but I mean, black boxes are orange. <laughs> all right. Well, this, in this black, <laughs> this black box was literally the size of a pen. So, and it was black. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, this episode was okay. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of dumb fun, and and that's and that's that's fine because I mean that's better than like the senseless melodrama and like weird things they did last episode where they just send off non for like no reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's just weird. I mean, it just, like last episode was just like you know getting some you know it was like a speed bump this episode was a diversion like i i don't even think it was a speed it was just like a diversion and it was like a fun action-filled diversion diversion right and right like spectacular when giorgio shoots that ship down and it crashes on like the place hope she's hoping to kill that orion guy that annoyed her so much and it's i mean that was just a fantastic effect it's just falling out of the sky and just crumbling and it was like it looked amazing no, I look great. Yeah, I yeah. mean, this is like this is like movie caliber looking show, and it's just it, it can be great at times. In the last episode, we were like so down. I mean, we were kind of down on this, but it's mostly just because the way they handle Michael Burnham. She could be. We're so not. We're not down on this episode. We're down on just the Michael. writing and how they keep on putting her in these like impossible situations, and then it doesn't work out for her. With- I, I, with yeah. no support structure. I mean, like, if she was Kirk and going in with a core crew from Starfleet doing stuff, like, you know, if they were like, a, I don't know, uh, what was it, Alpha Team or, you know, the, you know, the Federation kids that, like, you know, were yeah, like yeah, super roguelike. Yeah. But, they're, but yeah. there was a bunch of Federation kids all working together for, like, the same goal. Yeah, maybe they weren't, like, super good and they kind of got, you know, all died. But and They you all know. died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, like they were working together as a team. Like right. and Michael's doing everything solo, and that's just what that's just what bothers me so much. I miss the the collaboration between other people in Starfleet. Like making the show, you know, you're not the show. I mean, and Michael's always like, "Oh, we gotta rebuild the Federation, and make it whole, and all this stuff like that." But then she also does all the stuff that breaks Federation rules. It's just like I don't like how she's such an inconsistent character. Where like. She says one thing and does something something different. You know what I mean? Well, I think she believes in the Federation. She just doesn't. I, I don't think she fits well in the structure. You know, it's like you can you can you can believe in something or you can like support something and know that maybe not be the best lifestyle for you. I I don't know why she hasn't come to that realization that she would work better on the outside boundaries. At least that's how they're writing her. I mean, she just. It's like do as I say, not as I do, and it's really annoying. I don't like that inconsistency. 
and the thing is, like, if you talk about any of the other, you know, like captains or even commanders for that matter in any Star Trek history, nobody's been that insubordinate. I mean, even you could say Kirk, but Kirk had a sense of duty all the time, like that he had to do certain things. He just, you know, I mean, you could always point to him stealing the Enterprise, but that was sort of like, you know, saving your best friend if you know your best friend could be still alive kind of thing. Yeah. And that was probably the How word, far he would go for, for his friend. Yeah. And that was probably the most far out thing he's ever done. And, and still. And he, Spock, and Spock did it before anyways. So yeah. Spock stole the enterprise in the menagerie. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, uh, it's just like, Michael's just a mutineer over and over and over again, kind of. And I'm just, I'm just kind of getting tired of it. Like, I, I wonder to, to grow, you know, yeah. I don't know. I just, and, and the thing is, Discovery hasn't kept a captain uh, more than one season, so I'm pretty sure Saru's going to die this season. Oh, jeez. I hope not. I, I, I mean, it's it's just, we had we had Lorca season one, he died. We had Captain Pike season two, that was a special case. Michael declined becoming captain because she knows that's a doomed scene for this show. So, I mean, like, you know, I mean... I've got no other than just like a crackpot theory. Uh, just you know, I assume Saru will die. She'll be the ranking officer on the thing, and she'll have to take a you know a field promotion just to you know become captain because they'll need someone to rally behind. Like I feel like that's just kind of like what's in the cards for Saru based on how Discovery's been treating its captains because they haven't had a single captain more than one season. You know what I mean? I mean, granted, yeah. maybe maybe Saru will stay captain and. Michael will be floundering in whatever she does. I, I don't know, but I, yeah. I, ju- I just have a feeling that now Saru's going to die, and Saru's becoming a lot more likable to me now that he's like putting aside his feelings for Michael because I feel like that's what made him so weak beyond his like his fear sensing Kelpianness. Uh, he said so in this episode. He's like, I just wanted normal. I just wanted us to be on our rank structure like we had been, and that was on me for wanting that. Yeah. So. I'm glad he's taking, he's, you know, understanding his feelings got in the way and that he's trying to act as a better person, a better captain. Like, Saru's starting to grow on me mm-hmm. a lot more uh, than he had. So I'm glad he's taking steps to become a better person and, like, th- think better. I don't know. I just, yeah, there's just a lot, honestly, that this, um, it's what's what's frustrating about this discovery for me. It's like it's so close to greatness, and then they they write some of their characters and their plots into these like weird like places that didn't need to go there. Like they could have, they're and they're not being like daring. They're just being kind of like um, short sighted. I, I just feel like they're just their primary goal is just hitting like these diversity check marks. Like, I don't know, they were just so proud that that they said the first episode of the season was the first Star Trek episode to be directed by a black person who had two black people in the same scene. I'm like, did you not see Far Beyond the Stars, Deep Space Nine, where Avery Brooks directed it? I'm sure he's directed other episodes too, but he directed it. He and Cassidy Yates and Sirak Lofton and Michael Dorn all shared scenes together. I know. I know. I, I, it's just like I just don't. Like, the show keeps like saying, "Oh, we did this first. We did this first. We did this, and we did this." I'm like, you're not even like looking at history. Like, so if they're saying stuff like this, they're not even if they don't know just the basic facts about what happened in real life. What do they know about Star Trek as canon as a whole? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like, like it, the nitpicky in in deep stuff. They don't know just basic facts about the directing and like just the basic history in the show. You could find out on Memory Alpha. It just it doesn't instill me with a lot of like hope well, that they they, they can write. And like, there's been nothing like Far Beyond the Stars and and this new Star Trek. Nothing that well, made me th- nothing that's yeah, made me think. Yeah, that would. Yeah, no, I know. But I mean, like even like a Deer's character. I mean, there's I, I, what what are the, she supposed to be like gender? She's a the actress. Uh, uh, calls themselves as non-binary, so she like I guess that means she likes to go as they them, but okay. they're still calling her she on the show. Right, she's got a boyfriend. Her boyfriend is technically a transgender, okay, tra- transgender person, and I mean that's fine. But I mean like I don't understand, like 
I mean, it's great that there's that representation, but they're not using the representation in the show. So, you know, I don't. It's just a girl with a short haircut. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I don't. Yeah, and somebody was saying like um, the the there's like the the th- and that was the issue with Culver when Culver died. It was the the trope of bury bury your gays, basically introduce a gay character and then have the gay character killed. You know, so and that's like you know here they have this gray character introduced and then you know killed immediately. Oh, killed in, in, killed in, in, in the background. The, I mean, in, yes, in, it in lives on through. Yeah, lives in, lives on through the through the Trill's um, symbiote. Symbiote, but still, it's it's you know like it's a little hard. I don't know. It's, I, I just it's, feel like the show's too busy hitting check marks for diversity things, even though it's not really using them, yeah. and forgetting to tell good science fiction slash Star Trekky like stories that make you think and question things, like. It, it, that's the big problem for me with Discovery and Picard as a whole. They're not asking the big questions. They're not making me like be retrospective about myself and how I how I think about things like other Star Trek things did. Like Far Beyond the Stars is one of the most powerful episodes of Star Trek, period. And I mean, nothing has come close since. Well, and, yeah, I mean, and I, we've I had Enterprise. I mean, I think, I think there's been plenty of like between uh, you know from the original series to Next Gen, uh, D Space Nine. Yeah, and um, sure, I, there's hell, some I'm episodes. sure there. I'm sure I'm just not thinking, but I'm sure there's even one for uh, Enterprise if I really want to think about it. Um, maybe not as heavy, but yeah, I'm sure there's some stuff that I, I can't think of anything. It's been a long time since I've watched the Enterprise all the way through. I'm sure there's something like good and like thought provoking and like gets you in the feels. But like not nothing. even the feels, but just makes you think. Like, um, what was the duet with um, on D Space Nine? Yeah, duet was I mean, super powerful. Super powerful episode, and I, I I just don't feel like we're hitting those like high marks right now. I just feel like it's always just like here's an adventure, and it's out in space, and you know, um, you know, we have diversity, you know, and it's like yeah, we had all those before. We had diversity. We had you know, uh, adventures in space, except it also had stories that, you know, made you like sit back and go like, man, that's a crazy story. Or, man, it made me think about the episode like afterwards. And, um, I don't know. It's just, like I said, I think they, they write themselves into these, I don't even know what to call it. They just, they, they, they write themselves into these boxes and there's no sense of what they do sometimes. It's, it frustrates me because it's like I know these people are getting paid good money, and and there's lots of writers in the room. I just don't know what's happening here. Have you have you seen uh, what we left? What they left behind? The DS9 documentary. I have, I have not seen that. I actually saw it. You can watch um, it free, free free on YouTube. On now. YouTube, I watched the other night. It brought me to tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gave me chills. Mm-hmm. I have to watch Deep Space Nine again. Like it, 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 they. They did the stuck part with like the writers' room, and they were just pitching this episode of what a season eight of Deep uh, season one or episode one of season eight of Deep Space Nine would be like. And they, you know, they just sped it ahead twenty years because all the actors are twenty years older, and it's a great thing. I, I, I just it's it's exciting, and they come up with this really cool story, and then it's like to be continued, and it's like oh crap, and it's just like we're never gonna see what would come out of that, and that's just, it was just. You had right. Ronald D. Moore, and you had Iris Stephen Bear. I mean, like, just to get any one of these guys in the writers' room for Discovery, and I think, like, you know, the show could be so much better. Just getting any one of these guys, I just wish they could get them all in there. Like, just let them work on the new Star Trek shows. Like, I don't know. I just these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I a- anyone out there who has not seen what we left behind, uh, the Deep Space Nine documentary. It's like I said. It's free on YouTube. Watch it. It is. If you're a Deep Space Nine fan, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, it's a great watch. Do yeah, it. Yeah, something. Some, yeah, I, I I saw that it was, and I, I definitely have to get. Uh, There's get lots of ads in it. Lots of ads because it, you know. But it's it's such a good duck, and right. I, I yeah, I just like like I said, like that thing gave me feels. Like I cried. Like watching that, and it's it's even harder to watch now that you know Rene Auberginois and and um, Aaron Eisenberg have passed. You know they've passed since the making of this documentary. The documentary is only like what two years old, mm-hmm. so we've lost two of you know the 
the DS9 actors, and it's it's it's, it's definitely heartbreaking, kind of watching that a little bit. On top of just you know the emotion of of the show, and it's just I just really want to watch Deep Space Nine again. Deep Space Nine was like it's like I, I've said it over and over on this podcast that it is my by far my favorite Star Trek show, and and I and just watching this makes me want to watch Deep Space Nine all over again. Right. Yeah. So it's just so good, and and this. The show, the, this documentary gave me feels, and I've never felt anything other than annoyance with Discovery. And, and uh, uh, you know, when I feel something, otherwise it's just like, oh, it's just a fun romp, and that was fun, but I don't really feel anything other than, you know, that was all right. Like, nothing really hit me hard. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, I, I keep waiting for something to break free, but I don't, I, maybe I'm just never going to feel this way for Discovery. And, you know, some people just love Discovery, and I, I just, I'm sorry, I just can't connect on it. I mean, I don't, I don't really hate Discovery. Like, I like this episode, and I like a lot of characters, but yeah, the characters I like, that are good. the characters I like don't get enough screen time. I, I love Tilly. I love uh, Reno. I just, I would love to see, see more of them, but yeah, I just too. never do. So. I mean, I, I I like Adira, but I mean, I, I'm scared they're not going to. I, do... I actually I actually like Adira, and I even kind of like Gray. I mean, it, it, I kind of kind of weird to have an imaginary boyfriend, but you know, um, it's, it's just know, like I know I know he's not imaginary, but it's, it's just, just like everyone in Buffalo has got that you know that's a, a the quote unquote Canadian girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, right, the Canadian girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, the Canadian girlfriend, the imaginary you know, Canadian girlfriend. It's just that you know you'd like to see more of it, and it's like, but we get these like long big stories with Michael and it's just like and they don't get to, their chance to shine we just get windows uh, like yeah, real quick. small little snippets of all these other great characters that they just do nothing with it's just, it's just sad well uh, let's wrap it up Dave uh, we'll have to wonder what else they're going to do but it does look like they're going to do something different it looks like it, it does look like michael might be leaving discovery so from the previous but who knows yeah who knows but i mean if she does we'll just be following her probably unfortunately yeah i know we'll be like discovery's out in space somewhere um guys did you agree with us do you think that michael should yield more time for more of the uh the crew on the discovery and get them a chance to have some more screen time or are we missing something that we're not seeing uh let us know hit us up on our email our email is synthaholics at yahoo.com uh you can also uh, talk to us on our facebook group facebook forward slash group forward slash synthaholics we'd love to hear from you there and also, you can just uh, uh, talk to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Synthaholic Duo. And if the show is something you'd like to support, please go to our Patreon, Patreon forward slash Synthaholics, and you can support us there. All right, Dave. Until next week. Uh, the spice must no, go all of your head, neck, and chest. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Live long and prosper, one and all. Well, McCoy, my boy, come mix me a drink Before the night's over, I'll puke in the sink And we'll cry till we laugh, and we'll both shit our pants You're the best drinking friend I ever had (laughs) (laughs) All right Oh, right here. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I feel bad that we kind of ragged a lot on it because, like, the show still has the same problems, even though the episode was definitely more enjoyable. Oh, I liked it. I liked the episode. I, I, like I said, the even number one. So I'm kind of dreading next week. <laughs> if the, Is the show going to keep up the, the odd numbers being terrible and the even numbers being good? Uh-uh. Let's see, right? Oh, no. It's only 13 episodes. That means the last episode will suck. <laughs> last episode's good. no no (laughs) i don't know Uh, uh, what do you think about the even and odd number things have you enjoyed the odd number or even numbered ones better i like the first one i like the first episode when michael came through the portal i thought that was fun um when she first met book yeah Uh, that was good i like the second one which one was the third one i don't remember people of earth Oh, that was kind of lame. I hated that so much. Yeah. It was just dumb. It was just like, like really, you can't speak to people inside, you know, your own solar system. But that guy in that broken down Starfleet, you know, thing can <laughs> speak with people like 
a year's worth of warp away. I know. Really? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I know. In a bad way. In a bad, bad way. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't hate all of them. I let's see. Yeah, people are going to forget me. Not was cool. I, I liked it. Um, die trying. Uh, so forgetful. Uh, yeah, and you know a lot of people went crazy over that because they saw like a dis, um, a Voyager version and stuff like that. I'm like, and a const- I'm like, I, who cares? Like, it's not the Voyager we knew, so why do we care? And we're not, and it's not like we're going to see more of them this season, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like set dressing, and you know, it was just a closer version of like, you know, all those ships we saw blow up. It was just like you know six. Or, it was like just like four or five designs. They just like copy pasted all over the screen and blew them up. And all of those are these same designs as what we saw inside of Starfleet. I'm sure. I didn't really break it down, but I don't know. I'm just, you know, I I wasn't crazy about going that far in the future, anyways. <clears throat> yeah. But um, you know, at least they can't mess up canon too bad, right? I, I, I guess, <laughs> except for that, you know, they ruined time travel. I mean, like, really, like the you've uh, ruined time travel, guys. Well, I mean, it's just like I mean, we've got all these like you know, we got these time police, we got the you know the relativity, and they abducted seven of nine to do all these like covert time ops, and you're telling me that like we've we've made time travel illegal, <laughs> like around the same time as the burn happens and now we can't undo it well that's convenient so we're just going to leave the galaxy a shithole because oh time travel's bad time travel bad how is time travel worse than the burn like can't we just go back and fix that (laughs) I don't know like it just makes me mad that they like bypassed all like the really cool like time travel-y stuff you could do a lot of cool stories with time travel and they have done a lot of cool stories with time travel in Star Trek, and now we're in an era of Star Trek where it's illegal. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we'll see more. Uh, I bet you time travel will come back. It's just um, right now they're angry because of the temporal Cold War. Yeah, they haven't even brought that up, so I'm, I'm scared they're not even going to go into the temporal Cold War. It is a little weird they haven't brought that up. Like, we're halfway through. That hasn't come up yet. Yeah, yeah. And it's just funny. Like, last week's episode, I was like, oh, they're just going to forget about the burn. And this episode was all about the burn. I was like, finally. Yeah, I know. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It's just bizarre. Yeah, um... I, I think season three is, I mean, the burn thing, I think it's going to be like, oh, that was it, and it's going to be kind of forgettable. Oh, oh, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I think it's going to be like a ho-hum thing, because they're probably not going to tie it into anything cool, like the Temporal Cold War. Or... <laughs> not just that, they're probably going to, it's probably just going to be like... Michael caused it, using the Red Angel yeah, suit. No, it, it, like she, she farted. She farted during the the time travel sequence, and it it made the suit emit some graviton wave. And the graviton wave made the noise that every of the song that everyone knows. But it also created the burn. I know. When you sing this song, it's just a fart know. I did once, and right. the sound of the fart rippled through space time, and it made this like all this sad lullaby. It also destroyed all the spaceships. Because the fart was that bad. It was so bad it killed everybody. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's called The Burn. And, you know, my uncle's name is Burnham. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just scared they're going to be that dumb. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I hope... I don't know. It's really hard to tell. Yeah, I know. It's, it's scary. I just want Star Trek to be good. I just want I just want to feel something like some heady emotion. I want to like have some in-depth thought about like the concepts they're bringing up and they're just like just not there. Not even trying. Yeah, I know. You know, it's like it's like, you know, we could like see an attempt and like, oh, they're trying to do this, but like they're not even trying. They're just trying to write pseudo serialized television. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not even like heavily serialized anymore. They are they're still following that season two thing where like let's make each episode its own thing, but this would be like a, a light, a light through line. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just it's it's just not all there. It's just like for as amazing as it looks, and as good as the acting is, like the stories are just never quite there. Like. Like, give us two years in between this season and season four. Like, let, let, let's let them get there. I feel like they just, like, rush the writing aspect of it, and they don't yeah. spend nearly enough time on it. I mean, that's just, it's just, like, I, I, I just kind of think that's where, we, where we're at. I think they've already supposedly started shooting season four of Discovery. I'm just, well, we, I don't understand. Like, why are they already shooting? Like, spend some time in the writer's room. A little bit more time, please. <laughs> Spend some time in the writers' room, people. Stop just going out for drinks. Yeah, I guess. Stop spreading the COVID. I know, right? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I just don't. I don't get it. But I mean, whatever, man. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't. I, I hope the show gets better. I mean, this was definitely a promising episode. So hopefully, 